Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com slash Sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In book three of his work on anger, Seneca is going to begin an important discussion about not taking on too much if we want to avoid getting angry. And he's going to begin by quoting something from a much earlier philosopher who we don't have much by, unfortunately, Democritus, who is supposed to always be quite happy in his life. And he calls this Democritus's salutary teaching, that is teaching for health to help us out, mental health in this case. And he says that it shows that the path to tranquility, and it's actually the term tranquillitas there, lies in undertaking few activities and none beyond our strength in both private and public affairs. And he's going to use that distinction several times throughout this discussion. Private affairs, things that have to do just with ourselves and our friends and our house, our commercial dealings perhaps, and then public affairs, things that have to do with the wider society and which we participate. And you could stop for a second there and think about the world of social media and the internet as perhaps being something quite public, but also for many people quite private as well. And so the issue here is not to take on too much. We don't want to overwhelm or overburden ourselves, right? So a few activities, none beyond our strength or capacities, vires in, in Latin, what it is that we can actually accomplish. And so he goes on and he says, when a person is bustling this way and that to handle many transactions, the day never passes so felicitously or happily or right? That someone or something doesn't cause an offense that will prime the mind for anger. So, you know, if you take on a lot of different things, one of those is going to screw up. You can fill up your schedule, maybe with a day planner or something with 10 different activities. Well, you might be better off with five or three. He goes on and he's got some examples. Just as we're hurrying through the city's crowded spaces, it's inevitable we're going to bump into many people tripping here, or getting stuck there, or being splashed in some other place. And so we can draw a a more general conclusion from this analogy in leading a life that is scattered and undirected, we run into many obstacles and many causes for complaint. This one has deceived our hope. That one has delayed its fulfillment. Another one has put it to an end. Our projects have not progressed smoothly in accordance with our plans. You know, we're relying on other people doing what they say they're going to do or the weather or timetables or whatever else cooperating with their ideas. So if we take on too much... We are really creating a lot of occasions for anger. The more things that we take on, perhaps the more opportunities we have for getting angry. And he goes on and he will say, the person whose plans has set back has no patience. Patience for what? For people? 
other human beings who choose to do things, or for things. All the other matters could be animals, could be plants, could be whether the bus shows up on time or whether the bus blows past you as you're waiting for it. Could be the weather. You walk out and you didn't bring an umbrella and it starts raining on you. Anything that you like. Could be your computer going down. Could be the internet not working. Could be, we could go on and on and on. So they're not going to have patience when their plans are set back with any of those things. And they're going to, like he says, become angry for the most trivial reasons. Now at a person, now at a transaction, now at a place, now at fortune, luck, chance, randomness, now even at himself. So if you want to have your mind, as he says, not in turmoil, you know, for the mind to be quiet, it must not be in turmoil or wearied by activities that are, on the one hand, numerous, mutos, right? Or beyond us. So we've got two different dimensions here. We've got taking on too many different things, which each of which might be within our capacities, but put together as a whole aren't. Or sometimes we take on things that just by themselves are too much for us. We often do this, by the way, when we're in the process of fixing our lives. You know, if we want to think about uh, philosophy as a way of life and stoicism is one of those people learn about this, they read some Seneca and they're like, I'm going to totally change my life. I'll never be angry again. Well, that's not going to happen. It's going to take you years and years of work to change the habits and character and assumptions and responses that you've built up over time. It's not quite so simple as that. Or people will have a financial setback I will never be poor again. Well, that's not totally up to you now, is it? So sometimes we take on a bit too much, right? He says, you don't want to be wearied by activities that are too numerous or substantial. Seeking ends beyond our means. That's kind of a nice phrase there for just taking on too much for what we're capable of. And he goes on and says, it's easier to shoulder light burdens and transport them this way and that without a slip. But we have a hard time supporting burdens that others place on us. Overwhelmed, we shrug them off at the first opportunity. Even while we stand under the bundle, we totter because we're unequal to the weight. So a lot of interesting physical metaphors there. In the next chapter, he goes on and he talks about, once again, civic and domestic affairs, so the public and the private. And he tells us that we need to worry about taking on projects that are just too much for us. These will lead us off course. Like he says, those that are massive and beyond the agent's powers don't yield readily. And once undertaken, they oppress him, lead him off course. Just when success seems to be in his grasp, they bring him and the whole enterprise down. And this is a, a big problem. So even if you do manage to succeed for a while with some massive undertaking that is going to be, you know, revolutionary, innovative, changing everything, you notice this hyperbolic language that people tend to use, it's not going to work because you're not going to get all the way to the end, and then you're likely to get overwhelmed and as a response to feel angry. And so he's got this great line and distinction here. He says, it frequently happens that a man who doesn't undertake easy things, but wants the things he's undertaken to be easy, has his intentions Foil. So there's a couple things to say about that. One is that he's actually using the language of will or the faculty that does the choosing, right? So the person who wants things easy, who wills them 
easy. Volt, right? And he's going to have his intentions foiled. Irata sit eis voluntas. Voluntas is the will again, right? Irata frustrated angered, right? His will itself is going to get angry. It's going to go off course. It's not going to do what it ought to do. Why? Because he doesn't take on easy things, but takes on hard things and tells himself that these are going to be somehow easy. And so many people do this in so many different things. I'm going to learn how to do French cooking, right? Uh, French cooking is complicated. There's a lot going on there. You need certain ingredients. You need to master several important techniques. You got to actually stand at the stove and do things, you know, while you might be doing other things. You can't just sit there and listen to a podcast while you're supposed to be looking at the recipe when you're first starting out, right? And so if you take on something and you want it to be easy, but it's not easy, well, you're setting yourself up for some anger because you're setting yourself up for failure. And so he tells us whenever you're going to attempt something, what you need to do is gauge or literally measure, metire, weigh out yourself and the undertaking and your preparation for it all at once. And it's interesting because the words that are being used here, paras, parans, ipse, you're supposed to check your own readiness, your own capacity and the things you're working with. So it's not just you yourself. It's also, I mean, if you're going to do some cooking, did you actually buy the ingredients? Do you know what the recipe that you're following is? Do you understand some of the basic principles and do you have the techniques that you need? We could go on and on and on from there, right? So you have to actually, before you undertake something, think about whether you at this point in time have the capacities for it. And this can affect every area of life. Oh, I'm going to have a kid and it's going to be so wonderful. Well, anybody who's been a parent knows that there are joys to parenthood and many, many frustrations and difficulties as well. And that's if you actually have a kid where things are going fairly well with them. What if you have a kid and they have all sorts of problems? Then, you know, your life might be much more difficult than you originally anticipated. So he goes on and he says, regret for a task let, left uncomplete will make you irritable. And then he says, here it makes a difference whether one's nature is ardent and cold and abject or humilis, uh, sort of downtrodden, right? And he tells us that failure is going to elicit anger in a noble, generosus person. Depression or sadness, tricitia, in one who is limp and supine. And so he tells us that we shouldn't attempt Conamor, we shouldn't strive for anything we would be surprised to succeed in. We should keep ourselves within a certain kind of measure, right? It's fine if we're mildly surprised, miramur, in this case, if we marvel at something, everything coming together well, but we shouldn't be really surprised. We shouldn't say, wow, I had no idea I'd actually succeed because what we're doing there is we're saying, I was so stupid as to take on a task. I was pretty sure I wouldn't succeed in and then we can get quite upset with it. So he tells us that our undertakings or acciones, the things that we're doing should be neither too small nor reckless, audaces, nor wicked, improbi, right? So there's kind of a nice measure again here. We don't want to take on things that are too easy, right? We want life to have some involvement, some spice, you could say. 
But we also don't want to go beyond what we can do. And we also don't want to be engaging in bad actions just to like, you know, make a splash or something like that. He also says something else really interesting here. Typically, Stoics are rather dismissive of hope. They view it as an emotion that's not particularly good. Here, Seneca actually talks about it. Hope's space should stay close to home in Vicinum, right? In the neighborhood. So it's okay to hope, but your hopes need to be rational. They need to not go way the hell out there, right? So, you know, what would this rule out? buying a lottery ticket and hoping that you're going to win the big Powerball prize here in the United States. Powerball is a millions and millions of dollars, right? Your odds of actually winning anything, pretty low. Your odds of winning that big prize, super, super low, astronomically low. So don't let your hopes go too far out. You're going to go fishing and you're fishing in a place that has mostly bluegill and other panfish. You probably shouldn't hope that you're going to catch a muskie. I mean, muskie fishing is a, a whole specialization that takes hours and hours and hours even just to get a strike. Panfish, that's easy, right? If you hope that you're going to catch, you know, a nice bunch of bluegill, that might happen, might not happen. But to hope that you're going to catch some giant game fish that's actually long enough for you to keep, that's pretty low. So keep your hopes within the neighborhood. All of this is great advice from Seneca, once again, bringing in, you know, another earlier philosopher with this insight that if we want to avoid being angry, let's not take on so much and definitely not take on things that we're not equal to. And we'll avoid the frustrations and regrets and impatience that lead us into losing our temper so easily. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.